Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. We didn't have a podcast last week because I took a vacation. It had been over 52 weeks since I had essentially left my house other than coming here to the office. And I took a week to rest and relax with my kids and my husband. We had a wonderful time. We were extremely nervous that we would not feel safe, um, but we drove to the location where we went. Um, and really, other than one gas station stop, we felt extremely safe um, the entire time. And we were able to access everything that we wanted to access. So it ended up to be a wonderful time, a wonderful trip, and nice relaxation. So if you have the opportunity to do something similar, I really encourage you to do it um, because it has definitely filled our souls and made us ready to um, kind of chug through the rest of the school year. So speaking of the end of the school year, which is definitely coming up, I have put together a four-part webinar series. And what I've done is I've kind of specifically tailored them to this IEP season that we talk about. So IEP season, um, a lot of us in this field say that there are basically two, the end of the school year and the beginning of the school year. And that's really when a lot of meetings are held, when a lot of people have their annual meetings. Um, and so I've put together four different webinars that I'm gonna do every other Friday um, for the next, I guess, eight weeks total, because it'll be every other um, week, so that's a total of four. And we're gonna kind of talk about different topics that should help you to advocate at your annual meetings, and then, of course, continuing thereafter. So on April 18th, which is this Friday, just a couple of days away, I'm going to do a presentation called Five Traits that parents in special education should have. Um, this is kind of a mini boiled down version of a presentation that I give a lot as a first presentation if an organization wants for me to speak. So um, if I have a local disability organization that says, hey, could you come in and present to our families? I usually suggest that we start off with this one. So. Um, it's a good kind of 101, comprehensive, um, involved, but not too involved topic. So we're gonna start off with that one. Then we're going to talk about the seven steps to preparing for an IEP meeting. If you have downloaded the freebie on my website about the seven steps, um, this will give you the information that you wish was in that freebie. We'll go a little bit deeper into each of those seven steps. Um, it accompanies the paid product on my website, which is $12 on really kind of how to prepare for an IEP meeting. This is what I do for my own family and also what I do for clients um, 
and kind of follows a timeline of requesting documentation, how I go through it, how I communicate with the rest of the team, etc. So seven steps for preparing for your IEP meeting is on April 30th. And then on May 14th, we're gonna go through parent rights. If there is one thing that I know, um, it is that parents don't understand their parent rights. Parent rights are oftentimes underutilized and that can cost parents a lot of stress, even a lot of money, particularly with that IEE provision, um, and a lot of time. And so I like to go through parent rights um, and kind of explain to parents what the federal documents say about them and to really encourage you to go through that packet of parent rights that they give you at the beginning of your meeting to actually read that packet at least one time in the um, few years that you are a special education parent. Um, and then the last presentation will not be on a Friday because if we were to carry it out for two weeks, it would be the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. And I didn't think that you wanted to be around. I probably will be around because we don't plan to travel all that much, but um, I thought that might be a bad weekend. So we're gonna do it on Wednesday, May 26th. And we're gonna talk about communication strategies. You know, if there is one thing that I say here on the podcast and in the classes that I teach and presentations that I give, it is communicate, communicate, communicate. So we're gonna talk about how I recommend that you communicate, what kinds of things that you communicate, um, how often you communicate, kind of the, the, the 101 or the 411 on communication, um, you know, what do I mean when I say communicate, communicate, communicate? So if you go through those four webinars, you should feel very empowered and very ready to advocate for your child that is in special education. And that is certainly my goal. Um, I do wanna impart one little thing that I've been reflecting on quite a bit over the last, really the last year. And that is, that as we kind of approach our children's IEPs, we oftentimes kind of get this frazzled thing. And yes, maybe your kids are doing less activities right now, maybe life is working at a bit of a slower pace, but I know that I oftentimes am talking to a friend or a colleague or a client, and I start talking about, well, you know, after work, I can't, I, I've got a hard stop at 4.30 because I've got to take this one to baseball and I've got to take this one to speech therapy and we have our IEP in a week and so I've got to review this documentation. And at the end of those kind of paragraphs, I'm usually kind of flailing my arms up by my head and shaking my head back and forth and saying, blah, we've got so much to do. And really at the beginning of COVID, I started to kind of reflect on our pace as a lot of us did because our pace changed so dramatically last year in March. Um, and what I started to realize is I can control our pace. I have the opportunity as an adult in my household, and particularly for me, I own my business. I um, am the adult in the house. You know, I have control over a lot of things in my life. Um, and I can control how prepared we are for things. I can control how much we do. I can really control our pace. And more than that, I can control how we deal with our pace. So even if we keep up a really hefty pace and we go, 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 because that's really what we like to do, I don't have to feel that frazzled, 
hurried sense. And so I've tried to be very, very deliberate about that in the last year. And sure, it has been easier because our pace has been slower in a lot of ways, but our pace has actually been a little bit more frazzled for me in particular, because um, as I've said here before, I am um, educating Jack entirely from home. He goes to school for special education for about an hour a day. Um, so I'm doing all of that. And then in addition to that, I'm working full time and I started this business, Ashley Barlow Company. And so I've really kind of reflected on that pace of life um, and just having the mindset of slowing down, going through things metho methodically, planning, communicating in advance, etc., has really significantly helped just my um, my stress level. And so I encourage you to kind of try to internalize that and think about that as you go into your IEP season and as you prepare for your child's meeting, regardless of whether or not it's in the spring or it is some other time of the year. Okay, so thanks for bearing with me as I talk about those four webinars. Um, if you cannot make it to the webinars, go ahead and register because um, I send out the recordings of them to everybody that's registered. So even if you can't make them live, go ahead and um, register and that way you'll get the recording. Today, I want to talk about COVID learning a little bit more. Now, we talked about learning during COVID in one of the very first episodes of the podcast, and I talked a lot about compensatory education and how to prepare and how to educate your child at home and um, kind of my stoplight method on going through the IEP. Today, I wanna to talk to you about just practical strategies that you can use. And I think I've got five or six, um, just kind of practical things that you can use as we wrap up this school year and look at next school year. The reason why I think this is timely right now is because I'm starting to get a lot of emails from clients and friends and my own um, kind of contemporaries in my own district and in the Down syndrome community here in greater Cincinnati saying, hey, what are you doing for next year? And, um, you know, do you feel comfortable ramping up your child's minutes or do you feel comfortable with X, Y, and Z? And so I thought, you know, I think it's probably a pertinent topic to, um, to talk about um, and then the other reason is because a lot of us whose children have not made progress or whose children have missed out on services are going to be ready to start filing those compensatory education claims or discussing comp ed with our districts. And so I thought it was important to talk about now. So tips that you can use during um, COVID-19 as it applies to educating your child that's on an IEP. The first thing, of course, you know I'm gonna say it, be flexible, be reasonable, use interest-based negotiation strategies. What do I mean by that? What I really mean is, um, really looking at things from multiple lenses, looking at things from the district's lens, from the teacher's lens, from your child's lens, certainly from your own lens, and looking at all of those different interests that people have and, and kind of how one interest might pull things from one side of equitable or fair to the other side. So um, oftentimes when I'm describing this to my clients, I talk about that Billie Jean video that was probably popular when I was in kindergarten, but Michael Jackson sang a song about Billie Jean and, um, 
in the video, the woman's arms are kind of extended out parallel to the ground and she's getting pulled in two different directions by two different, I guess by two different suitors. I should look at it again since I use it as an example. Um, and, and so, you know, you kind of feel this like push and pull, this give and take, and that's really important when you're working on a team. And as we know, IEP teams are that, they are teams. And so I think it's really important to consider the interest of everybody else on the team and everybody else that's involved in your child's education. And if you can consider those things, maybe you can reach an agreement on a few issues. So first of all, you need to identify the issues that you want to talk about. And we're gonna talk about that in a second. But as you're going through those issues, it's very important to be flexible, to be reasonable, to not just dig your heels in the sand and say, I want this and this is why I want it, but to think outside the box and to see if there's some way that you can get something done that is, I say, yesable, that is not an absolute, yes, yes, I'll take it, because very, very infrequently does it happen in a negotiation, in a team environment that you say, oh, that's awesome, yes, thank you, I'm so excited that this will be great, but something that you say, okay, well, I can see how you're looking at this and I can see how the other person is looking at this and then this is how I feel. And so, yeah, I think that seems like a good place to meet in the middle or something like that. So be flexible, be reasonable, look at things objectively and certainly look at things from the other person's lens. The other thing you know I'm gonna say is communicate, communicate, communicate. Now you should know. We are in the last quarter of the school year, most likely in most regions, or if not, we're very, very close to it. And so we know. We know where the struggles are happening. We know where we're not making progress. We know where um, schedules are not working, where kids are getting too fatigued or where they need more. Um, we know where the technology is um, providing struggles. We know what environments are correct, are correct. We know timelines. We know so much more because we've been in this. Think back, it's even hard to think back to last year in March and April to think about how we were surviving and what we were doing. Um, now that we've been in this a year or at least three quarters of this school year, we know approximately how things are going to go. We know how um, the current setup is working for your child. And so communicate, kind of look at that. And remember from the lens of objectivity and reasonableness, communicate how things are going, and then if at all possible, solutions. And so the third thing I want to say is to brainstorm solutions. Brainstorm ways that you can resolve the issues that you're bringing to the team. So if number two is communicate the issues, number three is really brainstorm ideas. Now the way to do this, unfortunately, is to dig into the information. Look for the change. Read your child's entire IEP. If things are not being done that are mandated by the IEP, 
bingo, that's what you communicate. You know, I think a big change would be if we could actually implement this supplementary aid and service. You know, I think it would be super helpful if we got that additional adult support that's listed in the IEP. You look at the actual IEP document. If that, if the answer isn't there, maybe you go to an evaluation and you look for the why. You know, I don't think that this virtual platform is working because as this indicates in my child's evaluation report, my child's not a visual learner. My child doesn't do well on, um, video platforms or on computer platforms. So look at the documentation that is specific to your child and see if you can suggest the reasons why, the solutions, the, um, the kind of whole picture of the issues that you're trying to communicate. And if you don't have the answers there, you're gonna have to dig even deeper and do some more research. How else could we resolve this? If you're asking for compensatory education, for example, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, um, then think about what you want that comp ed to look like. Are we going to do it at school? Are we going to do it with another professional? Who is the professional? Why do you think that professional is helpful? How long do we need to be with that professional? How intensive does the intervention need to be? How much is it going to cost? Really look into all of the information so that you can give the district and the rest of the team kind of those five W's, the who, what, when, where, how, why, all of that stuff. I think that's six actually, if you count why. Um, so that when you're communicating, you're communicating not only the problem, but a suggested solution. It's a huge negotiation strategy that is oftentimes wildly successful. My puppy is shaking in the background. You probably hear her um, shaking. It just adds a little bit of the informality that I like to promote around here. Now she's gonna eat a box. Um, okay. So we just talked about compensatory education and my fourth tip is to document, document, document. So if you aren't doing it now, it's probably not too late to do it retroactively. And what I mean by document, document, document is whatever is true to you. If it's a log, if it's a spreadsheet, if it's a set of videos that you have organized in some way that you can access them, if it's letters that you've written to the district or emails that you've written to teachers, whatever it is, you need to start documenting it. I've spoken a lot about progress monitoring, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic, but as you probably know, if you've been here for a while, I really promote progress monitoring throughout. I think it's very important for parents to work with their children, not only from a behavioral and an involvement standpoint, but also from um, an involvement, a team involvement standpoint, from a, a standpoint of being involved in your child's IEP so that you are really informed and you're speaking from an informed perspective when you're talking to the rest of the team in meetings and elsewhere. And so however you choose to document what's going on or to provide um, in the moment, substantive information to the team. You need to start doing it now if you haven't started. 
And so what can you do? You can go back and look at videos that you've recorded. You can go back and look at emails that you've sent to teachers. You can ask for progress monitoring data from school if you don't have it. And then think about what happened and what specifically the problem was, and maybe then what solutions there can be. Because if you go into a meeting and say, well, he's not making progress, or we can't do this another year, or, um, you know, we just can't do another Zoom call, but you don't have anything behind it, you don't have the comma because fill in the blank, well, your team is not going to take you seriously. And more importantly, they're not gonna take your request seriously. They're not gonna look at that request and say, oh, I see what you mean and here's a great solution. So if we rather come up with three or four examples or a trend or some kind of specific information, the team will look at it more um, favorably. So an example, let's say that you're asking for compensatory education because you think your child is not doing well in math. And so you go in and say, boy, at the beginning of the year, um, we were doing two digit addition and subtraction and um, he knew all of his times tables to 12 or something like that. And um, now I just don't feel like he gets it anymore. I just feel like it's kind of gone. Well, everybody's gonna say, what do you mean you feel? You feel like he's not making progress in math. What specifically do you mean? Compare that to if you went in and said, at the beginning of the year, we were doing two digit addition and subtraction and we had our times tables to 12. However, now um, what I have noticed is two digit addition and subtraction, we had mastered in August and September. In October, the progress data that I took had them at only 80%. And then by December, that 80% was down to 60%. And when I probed him last week, and here's a copy of the probe, he only got 40% of them correct. And here's the reason why. I think it's because I don't really understand how to use tens frames, or I don't really understand how to use touch points math because I haven't been trained in that. And so I think what's happening is he was really using the strategies that school was providing and those strategies are now gone. And so, um, because I can't provide them. And so he's just doing math problems over and over and over again on this video system, but nobody's teaching him how to do them and re reinforcing the, the tools and the strategies that he was using in order to solve the problems. And so he's regressing because he doesn't have those tools in his tool belt. And so therefore, what I'm suggesting is I'm suggesting that we get this intensive intervention at this tutoring center down the street. I've talked to the tutor. The tutor has been trained in touch points math or tens frames or whatever. And um, it's gonna cost $70 an hour. They're saying if they had him three times a week for 12 weeks that they could probably get him caught up. And that's what I'm asking for. See how powerful that is? because you're going in and you're going in with specific information, your suspicion about why the regression happened, and then a proposed solution. 
So if you haven't done this, it's not too late to do it retroactively, but you've really got to dig in. You've really got to look at what specifically happened. When did it happen? How did you notice? What do you have, if anything, to prove it? If you've got something that would be more helpful and then what's your proposed solution? So document, 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 particularly if you're asking for compensatory education. Now we've talked about combat a couple of different times on the podcast, but let me just tell you very briefly a little bit about combat because it is a hot topic and it can never hurt to talk about it in this environment. So compensatory education is the remedy. It is the solution that is available to students if they are not making meaningful progress on their IEP goals and or if they have missed a service and that missed service has caused some kind of regression or a lack of meaningful progress. And so what does that mean? That means that if your child is not doing as well as what was anticipated, when the goals were drafted, or if your child missed a service and as a result of that missed service, your child is not making progress, then what you can get is this compensatory education or compensatory service. And the purpose of that remedy, that solution, is to put the child in the place that the child reasonably would have been in had the service been delivered or had the education been appropriate enough to get the child to make that progress. And so basically, if we're getting zero education or we're getting insufficient education or um, ineffective education, then there's this remedy that says, and therefore you can get what you should have gotten. So it's not a quid pro quo. It's not a, you missed 10 hours of OT, so therefore you get 10 hours of OT. Or I didn't teach you the reading comprehension skill, and so you get 20 minutes three times a week um, aggregated out for the entire school year. But rather it is, okay, where are we gonna do this? So let's do it at this tutoring center down the road and what do they need how much time do they need in order to get you caught up to where you reasonably would have been at the end of um, the iep or by this particular time etc sometimes schools like to do the compensatory education themselves because it's less expensive they've got the teachers on contract they can probably pay teachers a little bit less to do even summertime interventions or after school interventions than they would if they were paying your bill at some kind of tutoring center or private tutor outside of the home um, and that's reasonable in a lot of cases but sometimes it's not reasonable because you know they're suggesting that you use the same teacher that was providing inadequate services in the beginning and so why would we continue to go to that teacher or the teacher wasn't properly trained or something like that? And so a lot of times you can agree on comp ed, but you can't necessarily agree on who's going to provide the service. And maybe that's the one issue that you have to take to due process or something like that. There haven't been a ton of cases about comp ed during COVID just quite yet. I think they're probably all getting teed up to get filed or at least discussed at IEP meetings preliminarily here in the next month or so. And I think we're gonna get a lot more information about what administrative law judges and other courts are going to do about comp ed claims um, 
But certainly if your child has missed services, if your child is not making progress, if things have kind of gone south since your child's been home or learning in some kind of different environment, um, combat is a really important tool and something that can be used to get your child caught up. So, okay, let's review where we have been. We have talked about being flexible, reasonable, and interest-based. We talked about communicate, communicate, communicate. We talked about brainstorming solutions and really digging in and reading the IEP and looking for other solutions, looking for the whole picture and putting things into perspective. We talked about document, 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 and what that means in, sense, in the sense of a compensatory education claim. I also want to encourage you to look at your state's guidance. You know, I try to keep things very federally based here on the podcast because as you know, I practice law in Kentucky and Ohio, um, but I don't know what the law is in all 50 states of the union and our military and our territories and all of those sorts of things. That would be too much for anybody to keep up with. Um, and so I really encourage you to go to your state's Department of Education and look to see what they've said about compensatory services, what they've said about um, extended school year services. A lot of states are calling um, compensatory education in these COVID times something different because compensatory education kind of has this like punitive feel to schools. And so what's your district calling them um, or your state calling them and kind of what has your state put out by way of supporting children that are on IEPs during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I really encourage you to look at your state guidance. Then the last thing that I want to tell you comes from Glennon Doyle, um, who is an author that I absolutely love. I have read all of her books. I used to read her um, blog religiously. I follow her on social media. Um, and Glennon writes a lot about just kind of um, living out loud. Um, and one of my favorite words that I think she's probably invented is brutal. She says, life is brutal. It's, be it's brutal and beautiful all at the same time. And there's beauty in that intersection. There is a lot to learn in that intersection of how things are hard and beautiful all at the same time. And the hardness is beautiful and the, and the beauty is brutal and it all just kind of comes together in this um, melting pot of learning and experience. And so in her um, most recent book, which is called Untamed, it, the book is called Untamed, it's by Glennon Melton. Um, and, and you know what, Glennon has divorced, I think her last name is actually Doyle, Glennon Doyle. Um, and so what Glennon writes about is this concept of serving the peanuts. And I love this idea and I think it's so important and something that I have had to kind of revise even in my own home. So um, the analogy is looking at the flight attendants on a plane. You know, if there's turbulence on a plane, you look at the flight attendant first to see if the flight attendant is worried, right? If they're just kind of like continuing to serve the peanuts, dishing out the Cokes and the 
drinks and the pretzels, then you're like, oh, okay, it must not be anything because they're not worried. But if they take that cart and they take it to the back of the plane and they strap it in and they get in their little jump seat and they buckle in and they sit up right and, and they're like expecting some kind of terrible turbulence, then you put your book down and you're like, okay, I need to concentrate on this turbulence right now. This is a problem because they're um, behaving like it's a problem. They look worried. So when we are facing stress in our lives, particularly, you know, in the context of this podcast, we're talking about education. And this has been a stressful year, no doubt. Our kids are looking to us. They're looking to us for our reactions. And so we have two choices. We can go buckle up in the jump seat and show our kids how stressful it is, which then impacts our kids, right? They put their books down and they start to concentrate on that stress. Or we can keep serving the peanuts. We can just continue to be pleasant. We can continue to do our everyday jobs and chores and keep our everyday disposition. And therefore our kids will continue to read their books. They're gonna continue, they're gonna look at us and say, oh, well, it can't be that bad. Because look, my mom isn't that stressed out. And so I really encourage you when you are in front of your kids to stay pleasant, even if you've got a comp ed claim, to stay very, very objective and to stay positive and to keep the experience positive for them. Because if we're serving the peanuts, the kids are going to continue to think that everything is fine. And so maybe that little tip will help. It certainly helped me. I actually read Untamed right at the, it came out right at the beginning of COVID. And um, I have to admit, I was really frustrated with the way that our district was handling remote learners for the people that chose to go remotely. And I had probably talked about it a little bit too much in front of my kids. And I read that and I thought, oh, that is exactly what I needed to do in order to kind of reframe things and to shift the way that I am handling myself in front of my children. And it has made a significant difference. So serve the peanuts, check your state guidance, brainstorm solutions, document, 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 communicate, 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 be flexible, reasonable, and interest-based. I hope that helps. You guys have reached out so much on questions. This is kind of a comprehensive, um, how do I go about this guide to approaching things here at the end of the school year in 2021. Um, let me know how things go. I love to hear from you and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.